I had to shake him on my last case, Big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. So we have on the phone tonight three other hunks, and we also have a guest. So before we get into that, let's just go ahead and uh, see who we have on the phone here tonight. We're going to start with Mr. Big O's Bucktails himself, Owen Seaman. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be here tonight. Good evening, sir. Owen, uh, how's the... uh, How's the uh, skateboard injury coming along? I'm officially, as of today at 3.30 p.m., I saw a specialist and I'm allowed to take the cast off. So I'm to resume normal activities. So I'm ready to start fishing. I, I'm going to take go. it easy on it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. So I'm doing good. Nice. The, I'm pumped for you to get back in the, uh, the starting lineup and start throwing some baits around. Hopefully this weekend. All right. We also have on the phone tonight a very, very chip, I would say chipper, cheery, Mr. Donnie Swink. Evening, gentlemen. And I am chipper. I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited for our guest. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop the ball and blow it just yet, but uh, I'm excited to get to talk to this guy again. He's a, he's a guy I got to build a relationship with back at the musky battle and and i'd like to say we became friends out of that and uh i'm I'm excited to get to catch up with them tonight awesome well i think we're all we're all a little pumped i I missed last week so i'm i'm feeling it i needed to i needed to get my podcast fixed back so we got uh we got mr nick feesler from the great white north on the line tonight as well good evening i'm excited for this one good to good to hear donnie relive his uh his battle days uh, <laughs> days out on the battlefield <laughs> all right so let's uh let's just go ahead and get into it i'll kick it over to donnie you can introduce our guest for tonight all right well i've already alluded to it a little bit if you've listened to the podcast in the past uh my partner when i went to minnesota for the musky battle was mr mike conklin of conklin lures over in wisconsin uh, he makes the glitch glide bait, which I had never honestly got to see one in person until this trip, but it is a really cool bait. I got to work it a little bit. I had a musky blow up on it when I was there. Unfortunately, Mike got to see firsthand how bad I am at this and I didn't hook it, but, uh, uh, they definitely work. And, uh, Mike was cool enough to, to send me one of those baits too, that I, I, I haven't got out to get to use as much as I would like this year, but I know I'm going to, and I'm excited to, to fish that bait some more, but, uh, uh, yeah, so it's, it's Mr. Mike Conklin. Uh, go ahead and say hello, Mike. Hello. Uh, Welcome Mike. Good to have you on Mike. Yeah, we, thanks for coming we, on. We should give him a little round of applause to get him going here, guys. Hey. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. Glad to have you on, Mike. Donnie speaks so highly of you. Yeah. You know, he 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 just glows when he talks about you, and so we figure we got to so have you on I, to see to see what what I that's all about. The drugs that put him in him worked, I guess. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, so, no, Mike, I mean, tell us t- tell us a little bit about yourself. You're you're from um, Wisconsin, right? Yeah, Central Wisconsin. Um, 
born and raised in northern Wisconsin, uh, lived Rhinelander, um, then moved to Point when I was a kid. Um, that's where I kind of discovered fishing. Hard to believe I moved south to discover fishing. Um, caught the musky bug. From there, kind of just grew. So I've been fishing for muskies since 1991. Um, back oh, wow. I was five years old then. I just want to point that out. Well, that's, I mean, I wasn't wasn't much older. I mean, I was even, you know, you know eleven. So, or wait, yeah, no. And yeah, then we're about to say somewhere on there. But um, yeah, I remember. I mean, um, I fish in the river here. The Wisconsin River runs right through. So, uh, fish the river for walleye, bass. Never really for muskie. Never really did that when started. Um, there was a 12 apostles musky club in town and they had a show every year in the, in the winter, went there, um, saw my, at the time idol, Joe Booker was a speaker. Uh, I think I caught the musky bug at that point. My dad and I were like, you know what, let's give it a try. My first, my first rod was a Berkeley technique, six foot. I think it was just a six foot, six foot one stiff, like a cube. Q, uh, pool Q, um, Abu 6500, the whole spiel, you know, how the old guys start, old Dacron line, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> took a while, took a while to, before I actually caught a fish. Um, but the first one I caught was up in Tomahawk, right on in Lake Mahawkson. So, and I caught two that day. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where the, the fishing background started for me. So now, long? What, in 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 the middle of Wisconsin, I, I've I've driven through Wisconsin. I've not I've I have not fished much in Wisconsin, but I know like the real musky the musky area Hayward that's up north, right? Yeah, that's like northwestern part of the state. Okay. Um, you have, uh, you know, the Hayward area. That's just, you know, Chippewa flowage. That's just the aura of musky fishing. Um, Boulder Junction is the musky capital of the world. They, they claim themselves to be. Um, that's more the area that I fish. I fished the Chippewa Flowage one time, and that's about as far west as I've ever fished in the state. Um, most of my fishing was done. Minocqua, Eagle River, Three Lakes, Boulder Junction, stuff like that. So that's like all the same areas from time on the water, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I remember I read that book and I'm like, it's, it was neat to be able to put it together of saying, hey, I fish those lakes, uh, Presque Isle, all that stuff. I wanted to, I've always wanted to ask somebody from that area, because you know, like, I mean, we have, we have a lot of that here, like historically, like the Allegheny River, you hear all these stories and things like that. But I, I don't know, do you guys know of any books written about our area like i know red childress has like a really like storied history and the howard wagners and stuff but when when you think of like musky fishing in wisconsin i think of time on the water i know there's a few we have a few like old there's a couple of old field and stream articles about like lake labeouf and mossback and stuff old mossback yeah (laughs) so that mossback has to be like 72 inches by now that's right oh she's a big one (laughs) <laughs> almost takes down a kayaker every summer <laughs> the leg right off yep so 
you know, it's so you started musky fishing, you know, when you were I mean, essentially you're a young guy, you know, you've been doing this for for how many years now? Just, you know, fishing these waters. Have you what what about destination trips and stuff like that? Uh, have you like primarily fished Wisconsin or are you going yeah. other other places? Um, it took me until. Uh, let's see. I got married to my wife in oh three. Don't tell her I had to think that long. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we moved down to the southeastern to Kenosha, to southeastern Wisconsin, and that was the first time I actually fished out of state. I mean, I fished in Illinois with a with a buddy that lived down in Illinois. Um, first time out there on the Fox chain, um, and from there it was. Um, talked to going into Indiana with him a couple times. I never made it to Minnesota. The first time I was in Minnesota was the first battle I went with Jeff was would have been three, I think three years ago, four years ago. It, it, it's it's all fuzzy <laughs> with these guys in the battle. It's like, well, because I, I, I made one, I missed one and then I made another one. That was the one I think with, with you, Donnie. So yeah. Uh, did you know Jeff prior to no, the battles or how did you, how did you meet him? That is the story. Um, so he, he was doing the battles obviously prior and before that the system was, I think three battles, um, a couple of smaller ones, three or four in a year he did. And all of a sudden out of nowhere on, on some musky Facebook page, there's a guy who said, Jeff Contreras, was supposed to go up to the um, sugar camp chain for a, I don't even know how he worded it, fishing battle, musky battle, but his boat provider had issues and lost the boat, basically. And he was just throwing out long shot, hey, can anybody do this? Can anybody fill in with a boat? Um, I was all over it until I realized that night or the night prior, my daughter had a um, Girl Scout brewer game to attend and I was taking her and so uh. I'm doing the logistics in my head. I'm like, okay, up to Milwaukee for a Friday night ball game ends at, uh, you know, 1030. By the time you get out of the parking lot, 1130, I'm home by midnight, hook the boat up and drive six hours up to, you know, sugar camp. Um, just in time to start fishing. I'm like, I'm not much of that type of guy. I'm not, I like, right. I like my, I like my, I, I'm, me and you, I'm the same way, man. I, I can't do that type of stuff. Not so, that hardcore. <laughs> that that gets harder to it, do. Yeah. It's not a, I don't even consider it hardcore, man. It, it's just like you, it's, it, 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 that would rearrange my entire life for a yeah. week or two. Right. Right. It is. And the older you get, the worse it is. Trust me. Yep. That. <laughs> yep. But um, so that was kind of how I met Jeff. And then he's like, you know what? You were so awesome to offer up. Let's try to get together. Um, and I think we fished Madison chain one time. And then he's like, hey, can you do the battle? And the first year I held the, uh, man, I'm going to blow their names because I forgot already. They're from the, the the Ohio boys tight line yeah yeah Jordan and Corey, Corey. Jordan Jordan and Corey right yeah. yeah tight line TV yeah so um one of 
two boats to put a fish in the boat. And we had a chance at a big one too. Um, so I kind of like put that notch on my shoulder. Like, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm here to play with against the big boys. You know, you had Doug Wagner, you had Bernie Nates, you had uh, today's angler and I'm, they didn't touch, they didn't sniff fish. I'm putting a fish in the boat. I'm like, I don't have no clue what I'm doing. First time I said, <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. so, um, so I, that's how we basically started in with, with so. yeah. And now you you uh, sponsored Jeff too, correct? Now um, it's, it's it's more of a friendship. Um, he gets free baits. Let's let's cut it out. Let's. I, he loves. Yeah. I'm I'm I, doing it for him, and I'm doing it for myself. He right. he got me thinking of selling them. I I mean. I started making them. I didn't really do much with them and he loved them. He loves gliders. He wanted to try them out and I gave him one, two of them to try out and it instantly started catching fish. And he's been my biggest voice supporter since. So boy, Tom, Tom's really missing out on this episode because he's I, like the Tom is the, not only is he the Tomahawk, Wisconsin guy, he is the, he is the glider guy out of this group for sure. Um, Shore fishermen, just yeah. like Jeff. I mean, I, yeah, this was a bad one for Tom to miss. Yeah, he he <laughs> is the glider connoisseur. Like he <laughs> he he knows everything. He, he just he loves them. A week off to chase hammer handle pike. Yeah, right. Yeah, and bluegill that he can't catch. <laughs> and he still won't. He, 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 he still can't make it to Canada. The pike are eating all my bluegills. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever got a text message that said, I can't find the bluegills. <laughs> what? what are you talking about, dude? It's like he wants some big slabs. It was like 14 inches. Yeah. Then he, then he throws back. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's, uh, I guess we already touched on it. So let's go down this road then. I'd say let's. Uh, let's go down the bait making road. What, when, uh, when was this that you started making the glitch or when did, or yeah, what, did was the, what was the first bait? What was the making? very first bait? It was the glitch. It, okay. um, so I, and I, and I have no background in woodworking. I have no background in engineering. I don't have anything like that. And I'm, Using um, a bait made by Doug Cloet used to have um, Musky Magic Lure Company. He lived in Kenosha, and I met him at a rummage sale, of all things. Our, my first house was like, I don't know, a block and a half away from his. Hmm. Um, talked to him a little bit, discovered what he did, bought a couple of his baits. He made... Um, I think it was a sliding shad. I don't know if any of you guys heard any of that. Um, slippery slider. Uh, I started with that and using it on one of the local lakes down there that had muskies, and I was moving fish on it. I'm like, wow, couldn't hook a fish, but I was moving fish. I'm like, okay, this is cool. First time I actually think I used a an actual glide bait. Um, and then from there, it kind of, I tinkered. Oh, well, you know, let me back one up further. So, um, 
when I was talking to you about earlier about with Evan up in Presque Isle and found out that he made baits and and we kind of um it was just a little interest a little peak the interest at the time um that was kind of neat idea never thought about making baits um and then i met there was another guy up there that also lived in illinois and we fished a couple times his name is dave and he he said one of the most interesting things i never really thought of is to tinker tinker he tinkered with baits and i'm talking like taking a crankbait and cutting the back four inches off and playing around with weight distribution to see what it does and he says man it takes some it takes some balls to cut a 20 dollar lure for yeah. no for no reason right <laughs> and so that's kind of where i started i took i took a cherry bomb um that uh hellraiser lures i think cherry bomb topwater bait um cut the wire away from it kind of played around because i hated the lure it didn't really work with it damn for me so <laughs> those, those are the ones that are easier to cannibalize <laughs> yeah exactly so i kind of messed around um turned that into kind of like a modern day um hardhead it has a harder body and i put a grub tail on the back of it okay um caught a bluegill on it. <laughs> snagged a bluegill on it i'm like yeah, okay <laughs> Um, that didn't last very long. I was like, this bait kind of sucks. It does nothing, but we'll tinker some more. Um, then I s settled in on um, what I guess you'd call the design of the glitch. I just had some maple. I, oh, you know what? Let's back up. I, I made a top out of some willow. My buddy at work turned on his lathe. He turned a, a chunk of willow and he gave it to me. So I cut that up, drilled a crudely drilled a hole down the center, threw some through wire in there, tied it up, made like a prop style bait. Didn't work with it again. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of trial and error um, up to that point. So that was two baits that I tried and failed miserably at. And so then I made this bait out of wood, out of maple, um, took it down to the harbor had some screw eyes and I just kind of adjusted some weights and I'm like, well, let's see how it balances. And I put it out there and I threw it out and it worked like, like the heavens opened up and the sky shined. Yeah, this, this, this works. This is easy. I got a good, this is easy story, but um, this, so I was, I worked on it. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to take it home. I um, drilled it out, put put the lead in there. And I, you know, I'm, this was at the early stages of YouTube. This was back in 2006 is when I started. 2007 wow. is when I actually came out. I made the actual glitch itself. Um, and it was September, August, August or September. And I'm like sitting there early stages of youtube there's really not many videos on this stuff and i'm like I'm, i don't have any way of melting lead whatsoever so i'm using split shot guessing at the weight because i don't have a scale taking a nail punch drilling a hole taking a nail punch and like pounding it in with a hammer to get it to stick and then <laughs> with the super glue and crudely made it sprayed it with some black spray paint and a little bit of red i called it the bloody skunk and 
I took it up to, yeah, I took it up to um, Gilmore Lake, which is uh, just south of like St. Germain area. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. I was like, oh, oh, that's sort of my dad and I were fishing. I'm like, oh, I, I made this bait. Let's try it out. It worked good in the harbor. And I don't think I had three casts. I had a muskie come up and follow it. And I'm like, like, I'm getting excited. I'm like, I got this probably <laughs> upper thirties, low forties fish coming in on my bait. And I'm so excited. I'm dancing on the back deck of my dad's boat. <laughs> I'm like, I think that this is working. And the fish just kind of like looks at me and just swims away casually. And I'm sitting there. My dad's like, why didn't you figure eight it? Why, why did you just stare at it? I'm like, um, I don't know. That's <laughs> like, excited. It looked at my bait. Um, so I think I'm right there. I was kind of like, wow, I'm onto something here. So I made two. I made one more. I still have them to this day. Um, Did you catch oh, a fish that, on either one? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I basically oh, took yeah. the one that I called the bloody skunk and I repainted it. So I made another one. And of course, I'm not a machine. And this thing was way too heavy. So now I'm like drilling holes. I'm putting spray foam in there to try to add buoyancy. I mean, we're, we're talking crude as crude can be. Um, and we got, I got to the point where I repainted the bloody skunk and I painted it red, red and black with a little bit of glitter, white belly. I call, well, now I call it old red. I mean, that's, that's good. I mean, that's has the most fish that I've ever caught on one lure has, is that. Um, I've worked it to the bone. I've re-epoxied it, never touched the paint job. Um, it's semi-retired. He's always got a spot in the boat and any trip he always comes on. Cause that's kind of a slump buster. <laughs> if I'm in a slump, he comes out. Um, depending on what lake I'm on, if there's snags and stuff, no, he stays in, he stays safe and out of <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it started. It's, it's made a couple variations of design. Um, it went from what you, Donnie, what you currently see now, or if you guys have checked out my Facebook page, um, what's currently there now, um, that's the original. That's the original design. I went back to it. Um, I kind of changed it up and went more of like a drop belly style. And I didn't have the same success. I didn't have the same... I wasn't moving fish and I'm like, well, let's go back to the original. So I kind of end up going back to the original. And again, I'm, it was a winter project. I never thought of selling them. It was a winter project, something to get me through the long Wisconsin winters. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. That's, that's kind of how I just started tinkering, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool. That you came up with it and you had success on it that early because that, that's the type of thing that can keep you working through yeah. the, the downs, you know, whenever, whenever things don't work out so well, you, you saw some success early on and that, that can really keep, keep you, keep you plugging away. Yeah. And, you know, out of pure boredom, I'm, I was making four to eight during the winter. Nobody to give them to give them to my dad, give them to me. I mean, I got a box full of them. He's got a box full of them. And the funny thing is, is there's a few that just really catch fish. There's a few that you can throw all day and I don't know, maybe not even see one on it. It's, it's yeah. That's with all baits. There's something special. Yeah. About yeah. Certain 
magic wood. It's the magic wood, hundred yeah. percent. How big is it? How big is the glitch? Uh, it's about six inches. It's a smaller bait. Um, so when I made it, I was living in south southeastern Wisconsin, and a lot of the local lakes down there are heavily weeded. Um, this bait. I don't want to say I designed it specifically for that. It just happened to fall into my lap that it runs shallow. I can twitch it above the uh, weeds. You know, you one foot, two feet of water. Uh, I can see the unique part of it is I get to play around a lot with these baits. And I call it the glitch because it's not just a glider. It's a glider twitch. It's not that true glide bait left to right like a manta or a warlock that just kind of hypnotizes a fish left and right and left and right this thing i work it like a twitch bait you pop it and it's just a constant rhythm it's gone left to right short little burst boom 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 through the water if you kind of slow your cadence down it'll actually rise up to the surface pop break the surface a little bit in fact, Donnie, I think the one that hit yours in Minnesota was kind of right there, right at the surface. Um, yeah, it was right up in so the that's where, there, real shallow. Yeah, and that's kind of right. where it's at. You know, that right. as a bait maker, everybody's making all these different kinds of baits. Everybody's got an arsenal of baits. And I'm stuck. I'm sticking with this one because, well, why change? Why leave yeah. something that If it ain't works? broke, don't fix it. Right. So I have a question about this because some of the sometimes I feel like the reason why you see so many different baits on a line and people are trying to solve for different scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. Is that is it fair of me to say that throughout the entire year you're you're going to find some population of muskies in the weeds? You think that's oh, fair to say? Yeah, All year long? Definitely. Yeah. I would, yep. I would agree, yeah. So this is a this is a bait that has an application from essentially January all the way through December. Yes. Cuz yeah. I I hear that a lot like you know like even some of these like crankbaits and stuff like people will build these and they'll say, "Well, I use these in the spring. I use these in the you know like but a 6-inch profile to me that would be good, you know, at least here in PA. Like I feel like that's good all year." I oh, absolutely! Bait that size is, um, it's a universal size across all, all lakes all across the country. Yeah, yeah. Fish eat big, but fish eat small too. So, and this is going off a lot of lakes, northern Wisconsin lakes. I fish. We're talking hundred, hundred acre to three hundred acre lakes. I I love those little potholes, and I got some big fish, and they eat small. You know, they're constantly eating, but they're eating small. So perfect per perch uh, proportion there. Yeah. Yeah. And like Mike said, I mean, yeah, I, I got the fish. I got to watch him fish the glitch, which was, you know, is always cool when you can see a bait maker working the bait that they make the way that they intended to be worked for one. But it, it's really, it's a neat bait in how versatile it is because it like, like it, it's a glide bait, but it it's not your average. It's not your typical glide bait. And like Mike said, like I was watching him almost work it as a top water at times. Like 
there's so much you could do with just this one bait. It, it's, it's a, it's a really cool, uh, you know, it's a really cool bait. It really is like, uh, so, I'm excited to, to fish them more. And so and I've fished with, with Tom. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say one of the things, and it's not just, um, attached to mine. I think most glide baits do this is when you do a straight reel in retrieve, it has a big wide S curve to them. They come in left to right and just like a swimming motion. Um, mine have a kind of a more, I've been told mine have a good belly roll to them as they do that. Yeah, and I like to do that on fish that on clearer water that I see 20 feet out when I'm twitching it and that fish is matching each twitch. I don't think that fish is going to hit. So I just start reeling it in, like reel it in. It starts S curving, goes away from them faster. That kind of forces them to hit it. React. Yeah. Now what I was going to ask is I don't have a ton of experience with, with glide baits. And I was saying before that, you know, I've fished with Tom a good bit and kind of watched how he uses glide baits. And I had always thought that you needed a lot of rod action to impart uh, the the action on a glide bait and watching how Tom works these his, he likes these little glide baits like you know you're talking about a six inch glide bait and he basically purely uses the reel you know mm -hmm. there's almost no rod action at all it's just using about a, a, a three-quarter crank and making that thing and you can just get a cadence with yeah. the with your reel is that how you is that how it's intended to be fished or is it more of something that you need to put more rod into it to impart the, the action? No, I think rod pulls it too fast. You're just looking to, with almost any glide bait, you're just looking for a small twitch to turn the nose and create the swoosh go in the opposite direction. You got to pull it just enough to turn the nose and then you're giving it slack. So it can glide per se um so yes there's a cadence to it and a lot of it is just little twitch little twitch little twitch and you can get away with um just real mine is a combination i don't know donnie if you ever paid if you did pay attention to how i was doing it it is so i cast and i hold the reel palm the reel in my um, right hand reel with my left hand so it's it's kind of good a, man yeah it's it's always heavy <laughs> have your rod in your power hand that's what you gotta do um you i just can get an emotion where it's just i'll the real handle will turn halfway and then the next motion my right hand just twitches a little bit real handle right hand left hand right hand right and it's just boom 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 and then sometimes i'll just stop it and slow pause the twitch is still the same but a little bit longer in between each one and the bait actually rises I, I, don't ask me why i'm not a physics major um i have no clue why it ends up rising to the surface and the nose will break the surface and i'm like well psh, you know it's, create something different the fish is brought in by that i mean glide baits are great search baits they're going to show you fish they're notoriously for not hooking the hooking percentage is bad um but you got to do something to make them hit so i always try to switch it up a little bit you said it'll kind of glide back up or it'll, it'll come up to the surface. I mean, is it neutrally buoyant? Is it, or is it designed to, to be, uh, what would that be positively buoyant so to, to it, go up? Okay. Um, all minor handmade 
So, so they're, um, they're all a little different. So I have some that are perfectly neutrally buoyant. I have some that sink. I have some that float and I don't use those because they're not meant to float. So um, <laughs> I prefer, a, I prefer, again, I, it's not like I know which ones are going to be what. Wood has so many different characteristics. I can same blank of wood and I can cut 12 lures out of it, weigh every single one the same with the same amount of weight and the same placement, take the same amount of wood out of each one of them with a drill bit. And I, they all weigh differently. It's just the different densities of wood. So some of yeah. them will be neutrally buoyant. Some will be just kind of hang there and sink slow. And some will sink actually pretty fast um, until you start jerking them. You know, once you start working them in, then they kind of ride right in that one to two on the slow, you know, three, maybe. I don't think it's going to run much deeper than three. Okay. Going back to what uh, something that Mike said there that I wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about because he showed me this. Uh, uh, you know, I've, I've thrown glide baits. I certainly wouldn't call myself a great glide bait fisherman. I've caught fish on glide baits, but I, I don't fish them a ton. It's not usually my first go-to when I'm fishing. And I, I, you know, I know that I have a lot to learn there, but fishing with Mike, when I was in Minnesota last year. He's the one, he kind of told me that whole, uh, instead of twitching it all the way to the boat, which is something that I kind of always did. And maybe I give it a little pause, just a couple feet out, which I have got bit on once or twice in my life, but uh, I was getting follows of what we weren't getting much action. And it, he kind of gave me that uh, tip to start reeling it, the glide bait in rather than twitching it. Once it started coming into view, just kind of keeping a slow reel on it. And uh, I, I still, we still didn't end up, hooking one but i definitely saw a number of fish that just seemed a lot more interested and kind of came in on it and rather than just doing the quick disappearing act that they were doing on me like you could just tell that they were it was getting them more interested they just weren't interested enough to eat no matter what i did 45 follows we had that weekend yeah oh my gosh we saw so many fish big fish too I, so I'm glad that, that was the biggest reason why I wanted you on, Mike, because I want people to believe that my stories of all the fish I see in Minnesota that never eat anything, because I swear they think I'm just making it up to prove that I actually fished and trying to tell fish stories. We, we were on the spot on the spot because yeah. we had guys to the left of us and we had guys to the right of us and they weren't nearly getting as many follows as we were. Um, that, I think it had something 100%. to do with the, water, the wind, the way the wind was blowing. Um, definitely when you got through certain spots, it was just like, they were, there's one. Oh, there's one. Oh, there's one. I mean, <laughs> I probably swore at quite a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> the one that blew my mind the most, Donnie, if you remember when I got the phone call and I'm on oh. the phone, I, was, I wasn't. I, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to take the phone call. I'm like, yeah, I, I should take this because it was for work. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, oh, I'll just figure eight while I'm talking to him. I just had a bucktail on. I'm just figure eighting. And we're drifting with the wind. It's blowing, what, 20, 22 miles an hour. It was whipping. Door, 
Oh, wow. Upper 30s comes rocketing off the bottom and goes into a figure eight. While I just figure <laughs> no casts whatsoever. <laughs> Never made cast through that whole phone call. Just figure eighting. And I almost hooked it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we saw so many fish. It was unreal. How did you guys find how did you guys find spots given that neither of you are were Minnesota anglers? So the so this goes back to the first battle that I went out there and we stayed on Leech Lake and they were and it was again, I mean Jeff calls it the Contreras curse or Contreras cold front or whatever he calls himself. I've taken that moniker myself. I mean, this is I used to bring, I mean, I could stir up white caps in a toilet bowl. So <laughs> we had the perfect storm going to Minnesota, by the way, because it was did. me, was Mike, say. and Jeff in one vehicle. So I mean the swing cold front, <laughs> well known in Pennsylvania. So the lakes that they fished, I mean, I went out there, I went to Jeff showed me Bemidji, and I was out there and it was a little rough. And I knew Leach was out of it. And so Jeff was like, well, plant, plant Tangenet, I think is the full name. We called it plant. He goes, that's his, mm-hmm. that's his favorite lake. He goes, and you're going to see why. So I went out there. It's, it's a fairly large lake, but it fished to me like a lot of Northern Wisconsin lakes. Um, weeds, weed edges, some rock, a bar, deep water, reeds, um sand it just it just screamed in northern wisconsin lake and for me that was like that's my that's my bread and butter that's what i'm used to um and that's kind of where i just kind of dug back into some reserves and i'm like well this is how i would fish a lake like this so i mean don't get me wrong i had help from jeff i had help from alex kind of leading me a little bit but it is always nice when you pull into a place and you just get that feeling like, I think I can put yeah, together a program here. And then again, to be the first, you know, one that we've caught the first fish that weekend. Um, and then Donnie, you and I, I mean, we're, we were the only ones to boat a fish that wasn't, I don't want to say made up. That's a different story from those guys, but. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Picture it didn't happen. They don't show how they caught it. They don't really show it in the net, or once they caught it, they don't show them holding it. Interesting, but hey, whatever. I digress. Um, (laughs) It was unfortunately it wasn't during the battle, so it didn't count. But you know, we we put a fish in the boat, so I I can honestly say that it's the two battles I've been to. I put fish in the boat. So Donnie, we're ready again for this year, right? I'm hoping. I'm doing everything I can to make it up there. That's my goal. It's it's going to be tougher this year, but I'm still trying. I'm still trying to make it work. So little little one at home's. Uh, yeah, this, no, it, I don't. it changes was, things, doesn't it? It really it, does. <laughs> Dude, I gotta say this. I gotta say this real quick because I laughed hysterically. Like you were you were up in st lawrence and i'm thinking man he's got a lot of trips i'm like chelsea's been really easy on him this year and then you get back from st lawrence and it's like i'm, I'm thinking you're gonna be doing lawn work all weekend and you end up fishing with your dad the first day <laughs> right. back i'm like how is he doing okay. this okay so here's the thing wasn't so she out of town when he got back? Yeah, at the time we didn't know she, yeah, she, she flew back. to texas 
She was yeah. still, she was, was, I got back Friday night and she was out of town until Sunday night with the baby. She flew to visit her family. So that's the only reason why that happened. But the, uh, the truth is that St. Lawrence trip, and I figured it was going to make or break my future musky trips because it was kind of the first one since since the baby was born and i i was really hoping that things would go smoothly for her and they they really did not at all <laughs> it, it couldn't have gone more like literally i swear it, like I, I i'm riding to uh uh the st lawrence with mike and uh, we're having basically this conversation i'm telling him like man, I hope they, they just have an easy week and like it goes smooth. That, that's what I need here. An hour later, I get a text that says daycare has a COVID scare. So she has to stay home with me all week. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> like, that's not uh, a good start. That's no, not a good start no, at all. Not at all. Wow. I was like, whatever he's, whatever program he's got going on there at home, I need to get on this program. That's what I've been thinking the whole time. She's, she's good. She's good to me. I will say that, but uh, I will say uh, I do. I, I definitely think like, like I said, it was before Harriet was born that she agreed to all the musky trips I was taking this year. Like she's, hasn't had much of a problem with in the past but this she got the first taste of what it's like with me being gone and the baby being here after this first one so we'll see see how it plays out i i lucked out for when we had my first my first daughter and then again with my second is that when i would go fishing i'd fish with my dad all the time so i would take the girls and run them to my mom. My mom would babysit them because she didn't get to see them. She's leaving three hours right. away. She loved it. She loved spending three days, four days sometimes with them. I fished and yeah. had the whole weekend to herself. She's like, this is nice. Yeah, perfect. So, That's beautiful. Worked out nice. <laughs> I got to figure something like that out. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels it's are never turning, easy. <laughs> it's, it's never easy, man. It's never easy. It, and it's even... I, Mike, I don't know how old your kids are now. Mine are now 12, 11, and 8. So they're 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 pretty self, you know, self-sufficient, you know, to a degree. So but it's still tough putting that on. But you know, I go I go to, to Canada for a week and you know, I leave my wife with the kids and it's getting easier, but it's halfway through the week, believe me, I get I get the passive aggressive text messages, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, about you know. I hope I hope you're enjoying your your week of of uh, <laughs> of fishing fun while I, I deal with you know my, tonight the, to do the cat podcast. the cats puked yeah the cats puked on the floor and you know you name it. Donnie's uh, not even allowed in the basement anymore. I I, I literally I'm, I'm telling you I got I got that tonight for this podcast I got those comments. <laughs> Must be nice to be able to do whatever you want. Oh yeah! I'll be up here with the baby. That's why she left the computer at work. <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred. That's that's right, right there. Yeah, yeah. Luck, lucky enough that uh, my oldest is sixteen, my youngest is thirteen. So two teenage girls in the home. Um, I uh. take every advantage I can to sometimes get out of the house. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not ready for those days. I, my I've uh, my my two youngest are girls, so I'm gonna have teenage girls for. Uh, for a year, a couple years, 
I'm not ready for that. I can't say anything bad. They've been really good. So it's, it was, it was worse when they were like 11 and under that 11 and eight. I think they fought a lot more and gave us more trouble. Yeah. They are now they're, they're, they're really awesome right now. So that's Lousy, good. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a catch 22 with kids. Cause when they're young and they're babies and you're having fun with them and you miss them when they're gone and where you're gone. And then they get in that kid toddler kids and with school. And you're just like, Oh, I just wish you were a little older. So you could be again, self-sufficient. I can't right. wait to you, blah, blah, blah. Then they get to that age and you're like, man, I kind of wish you were younger again. I, yeah, I, I know. Like, this and, it, and absolutely. You look forward to like, oh, when they're older, like my wife and I can go out to dinner or we can just hop in and go to a store. We don't have to worry about a babysitter. They can do what they need to do by themselves. And now we're doing that. But then you look at pictures that darn Facebook memories pop up and you're oh, like, oh, yeah. Look uh, at when they were so little. <laughs> now, do you have your girls fishing? um you know i try yeah yeah um it's it's a cat and mouse game they they talk a big talk and they love to <laughs> go out on the boat but it turns into you know half hour fishing and eh, you know okay let's go <laughs> right let's no. go right on the boat. like okay so i don't think they're going to be the true hardcore fishermen which i guess i can't blame them because I'm doing it and I still kind of suck at it. I've been doing it for this long. And it's, yeah. <laughs> right. So. People think we're nuts because we, we, we don't, it doesn't bother us that we, we can go out there and not catch a fish for all those hours. It's hard to keep a kid's, a kid's attention. You know, when, when it's hard to ask a kid to go out there and spend six hours casting mm-hmm. and, and say, Hey, you got to pay attention to every single retrieve because if you if you are not paying attention, that's when a muskie's gonna hit. You, yeah. know? you might get and, one shot in the next what, eight yeah. hours. Are you exactly you ready for all this fun? Or and it turns into it you know, <laughs> it, it, you look and you watch your kid at the front at the front of the boat and they're like they're like lazy, you know, lazy figure eight, and it's like, come on, you gotta, you know, you gotta pay attention. <laughs> it's like it's like you know, you wanna keep it fun, but you also have to you also want to be successful you know because it's no fun to go out and and to miss fish and, and all it is is all it's going to take would be that first fish and i think they yes. would get involved i mean i was lucky enough so one eight years ago um we were on vacation first night and i had my daughter in the boat with me my oldest and we were just coming back we just went out for an evening of just messing around in the boat and on the way back, I was like, well, I'm going to stop here and fire to this little weed point. Brand new lake. I've never been on it. And boom, I got a hit. And like, it was a 43-incher. And it got up to the boat. And I, I told her, I'm like, getting it ready. I'm like, okay, get the net ready. Get it out. You don't have to do anything. Just get it ready. When I tell you to, put it in the water, and I'll just guide the fish to it. Well, she saw that fish, and she went from one side of the front deck at the front of the boat all the way to the opposite side of the boat. Like, no way get me away from that thing that's like huge so it was all pride and joy when we were taking photos because we weren't you know 100 100 yards from the from the dock that we kept our boat at so of course it's like call the wife got her down and everybody in camp had to come down and look at it so she's oh, yeah. beaming 
I netted this. And I'm like, yeah, you did, but you were scared of it. So <laughs> <laughs> I could only imagine what would happen if she actually hooked one. <laughs> That's what we're, uh, we're still working on my, my fishing partner's son to hold the fish at all. He, he's caught a few pike, but he's still, he's still stand next to you while you're holding his fish. <laughs> That's how my say. nephew is too. He caught a second muskie this year. He's still like he'll only like kind of pet it while I hold it, <laughs> <laughs> like real, real gingerly. He goes like That's this. Right. I'm like get your hands on there. Like, nope. See if I you know, <laughs> I have a rule. With, I've always had a rule with my kids is that if you're if you're gonna fish, you gotta you gotta put your worm on. You gotta you know you gotta touch the fish. I'll help you. I'll show you how to do it, and I'm not gonna like be a jerk about it, but. Like, you know, I think that's part of fishing is the independent, you know, becoming independent to to say, hey, I don't need my dad to to put something on the hook for me to, you know, I can. It gives the kids that sense of accomplishment of independence to say, I'm able to do this stuff. It it was one of the neater things the last couple of years. We go on vacation and we're not really just hanging around and I go out and the next thing you know, I see my daughter's like, I want to go fishing. So she grabs a rod and bucket of worms and runs to the end of the dock and starts catching fish. It's like, yep. That's, that's awesome that's how i grew up though you know i mean that, that's neat to see when you start yeah. seeing them kind of mimicking what you did and it's a really neat feeling to, to see that when i go trout fishing with tom he baits my hooks for me <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh donnie you only have 17 split shots on there we need 18 <laughs> He does mine too, and I have I have like I have like two hours of footage of me just saying, "Dad, Dad, I need help. I need more steam." <laughs> well, I can't wait till Tom has kids because he is he definitely takes over as dad when it comes to to fishing. I took my kids down to By Park um, and met him and Kayla. This was earlier on this summer. And, you know, he had all these different rod setups. He's got it all, you know, got, got everything, you know, he's got all these crazy ways of, of, of tying his hooks on. So the bread stays on there better. It's like, Hey man. Yeah. His kids might it's starve awesome. though. If they got to wait for his French bread pizza, for his flatbread, pizza. Yes, is. flatbread pizzas. <laughs> I like to make it a point uh, whenever I fish with Tom to just not do almost the opposite of what he tells us to do. <laughs> and then still catch fish. Mike, so, you're, you were talking about how your daughter, you know, you wouldn't know when she, you know, what she's going to do when she hooks one. I was going to say, it probably sounds a lot like me on the boat whenever I get a fish. Just screaming. I sound like a little girl. Yeah. I, I like that as a kid. Um, every time I caught one, I get all excited. Kind of like, I don't know if you guys get, uh, you know, who John Gillespie is, how excited he gets. Oh, know, yeah. Fish. I mean, I don't know if I was that loud as a kid, but I was loud as a kid. Um, but you know what? I, I still get excited with every fish I catch. Oh, yeah. Uh, call me a dork. I still get a photo. I mean, you hear all these self-righteous people. Oh, I don't take a f- picture of a fish under 45. Well, right, you know what? Right. Not only do I take a photo of it. Well, before I moved, I had a wall with pictures on it of me throughout the years with some of my I don't want to say every fish, but a very memorial, you know, something that it was a memory, a special memory, yeah. fishing with my dad, fishing, catching a fish with my daughter, you know, stuff like that. It's, I like being able to look at it and just be like, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. I know what I was using. I know. I remember the weather. 
Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, we've, we've tried to stress on this podcast is like, we're here, we're the guys that are out there trying to enjoy it. We're not the guys trying to tell you that you're doing it wrong, that you're doing it, you know, like we uh, take a picture of it, you know, you know, treat the fish correctly. I think, uh, you know, we, we're, we all agree that you need to, you know, handle the fish correctly, but you know, these guys, you're right that you can't bump a fish. You, You know, you can't take a fish out and take a picture if it's under, under 45 inches. I mean, that's the, yeah, if you're if you're a guide on Green Bay, maybe that's lucky that can be your rule. That many days that you catch, uh, you know, fifty fish that are over forty five. Wow, awesome. Yeah, right. I can see why you don't need a picture of? Oh, it's just another forty five. But I'm right. lucky to get out, you know, once a month for a good weekend, or yeah, an evening here or an evening there. So if I catch one, it's it's nice. It's awesome. You know, I I get excited still. I'm like Let's see. my 12 year old kid is getting all excited again i appreciate that and i i love that stuff because you know many times people tell me like i get a message and it's like ryan why are you posting a 32 incher why did you take a picture of that fish they're fun you don't need to take a picture of those fish you don't need to do this i'm like you know what it's none of your business what i'm posting on on social media i'm gonna i'm gonna take a picture with a 32 and i'm gonna be happy with it yes i agree I agree let's, with you completely, Mike. If, if you don't enjoy that, why are you out there doing it? Mm-hmm. And also, let's 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 not, you know, sugarcoat it. Those thirty twos and thirty fives are not the ones that are dying from being handled. You know, exactly. those are the ones that that jump out of your hands and, like and, and go right into the, like a rocket, right? You know, it's it's your fifty twos that you see people dropping in the bottom of boats and you know that whatnot. That's a different story. Like you're not you're not going to deal with that with a thirty five inch. I'd be more worried about getting hurt. You know, because those thirty five inches in and below, you know, are crazy. You know, they'll yeah. they'll and, jump around like like crazy. I mean, these fish are tougher than we give them than we think. We're I was fishing in the 90s for him, early 90s. Nobody else was. And you'd go out there and you'd catch them. And I mean, I'll admit it. I've dropped a couple in the boat before. I right. one head off the deck and you'd think, oh, geez, that's dead. And the thing swims away fine. Did it die? Maybe, maybe later. I don't know. I'm in that minority, probably a heavy minority of I'm going to fish. I'm going to enjoy it. If it dies, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to take my best effort at saving it and taking care of it but at the end of the day if the fish dies it's not the end of my world it's not you know right very very small minority of people are like that i think or maybe there's bigger and they just all be quiet because they are afraid of getting bashed by the social media crowd maybe i don't i think that's a definite factor in it you know just lay low yeah yeah, it's part of the game you know i mean if you really were that concerned about them you wouldn't fish you know yeah yeah i agree mike i'll I'll agree with you on this one too because like i feel the same way you know we could debate all of this stuff all the factors out there you know we're fact of the matter is we're in warm water season right now and i'm going to tell you guys right now i'm going fishing tomorrow because i have a day (laughs) off and no offense to anybody you know people are going to give me crap for it but you know, I've had this charter scheduled Ryan, for six months. That's that's uh, 
fishing PA at Ryan yeah. Reed on That's Instagram right. for all of your mean <laughs> hate, yeah, hate messages. messages. Absolutely. And that's fine Murder, because the, the, he's gonna, boil, he's gonna boil some musky, boil some musky soup this weekend. My thing is, my thing is this: I am in the same boat. I fish maybe once a month, maybe twice a month if I'm if I'm really like having a decent month. You know, I don't fish as much as other people to be able to feel like I can I can justify taking that break. And I'm not saying I'm fishing all of August. I'm not beating, you know, shallow water and all this. I'm, we're not trolling super deep, stuff like that. But if I get a chance, I'm going to go fish. And, you know, that's just how I've been. And that's that's just where I'm at. I, man, I, I'm right in the same boat with you. I, I look at it like you plan a vacation. You're going to go fishing. And I've done it. I pull up for the week. I've got the cabin rented for the week. And I pull up. And on Saturday, I launch the boat, I get out in the lake and it's 78.8 degrees. And I'm like, Whoo. and you look at the forecast and it's supposed to be upper eighties all week long. You're like, well, well, I guess I get two days of fishing and that's it. Right. And sure enough, by Monday at one o'clock, it's 81 degrees. <laughs> you spend all this money to go fishing. Are you going to just shut her down and sit around for the rest of the week? I wouldn't. <laughs> I can tell you, I'm not. Neither are these guides. Neither are these guides. And anyone that's saying that they do, I think, quite honestly, is probably full of shit. The majority of you don't give people money back. Are they are they refunding money? Doing that, Owen, are either the majority of the Facebook people? They're either people that are fishing and lying, or they're not fishing and they're regularly not fishing and it's easy to use uh warm water as an excuse of why you're not catching muskies i guess i mean it's it's a bullshit (laughs) i I just find it to be completely bullshit and and i and and i don't mean that like like oh fishing in warm water is not you know not an, an issue i think i think everybody agrees that you probably need to be more careful in warmer water but yeah. are you going to just completely shut it down no <laughs> you know i mean it, at least are, are we the weekend warriors probably yeah. not i might fish right. more in the evening i might try to fish more you know more at night whatever but you're right you're not gonna just and, you, and it's unfair to expect people to completely change their plans and give up you know mon- monetarily because our i mean if guides say that they are they shut it down when the water gets warm are those guides really refunding money for all the people that paid them you know their 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 initial deposit however many months ago you know no they're gonna they're gonna honor the reservation they're gonna go out and fish not not only is it unfair to think that you're not gonna do it i think it's unfair that you get blasted for saying you are gonna do it right that's important part of it it's what what like ryan you catch a 33 and the water temps 80 you know that's one you're not going to take a photo of you know you're probably just going to say oh okay it's a 33 you know how many fish we've water we we and i've i've fished with guys we a lot of times we'll water release them you don't even pull Mm -hmm. them into the boat like if it's a 33 we're going to leave it in the water right yeah i i'm okay with that because you know what you stand there over the side of the boat and you take your you know a quick picture with the lure in its mouth you pop it and you go on 
Uh-huh. And that know, kind of goes yeah. to what Alex was talking about in our podcast last week about the ethical fishing. Like, you know, if you uh-huh. if you you can ethically fish in warm water, if that makes sense, because, you know, I know I know the people in this country don't seem to believe that you can kind of do do two things at once and, and kind of, you know, accomplish two things at the same time. But you can ethically fish in warm water by doing things like what you guys just said water releases you know if, if that's that is what i would consider ethical fishing in warm now, water now keep in mind though oh and i gotta say this too because we're talking and this there's a big difference when you get a really super deep lake like say a chautauqua that deep end of chautauqua where you've got what donnie upper 30 you know 30 feet of water 28 feet of water over, something like that. over 30 yeah, over 30 feet of water or something you know we're we're talking thermocline pa reservoirs like take a pima tuning, the north end of pima tuning. You're talking ten to thirteen feet of water. I, I I'm same gonna, temperature, top to bottom. I I yep. feel a hundred percent confident telling you guys this because I have fish hawked it. I have hawked ten feet of water and I have hawked thirteen feet of water, and that water is the same water temperature from top to bottom. And yep. the the level of you know we're we're talking about warm water. But, you know, all these studies, all this thing out there, we're talking about oxygen and all this, all these other factors. We're not pulling fish from 28 feet down. You know, we're running baits three, four, five feet down, if that, and 10 feet of water, 12 feet of water. So there is a difference there. Aspect. The other aspect of that, though, is everybody says, well, warmer water, water has less dissolved oxygen. So the fish, even though it's resting in that top, you know, eight inches of water is getting harder to breathe i guess if you want to call it because there's not as much dissolved oxygen in the warmer water yes i'll maybe agree i don't know i don't I'm, i don't study that i'm believing people that are are making that study it's i i don't know how to go about getting around that i mean river systems i was out on the wisconsin river last thursday water temp was 79 degrees but i look at it as you know what it's moving water it's it's running i'm assuming there's probably a little more oxygenation in that in the river than there is in a warm bath of a lake um that being said it doesn't stop me i mean it's going to stop me if it's 84 85 yeah then maybe i would say no i'm not doing it um but if i got plans for a week yeah i mean i was i was going to go to green bay this weekend um with a buddy and just judging that water temps, we kind of pulled the plug and we're going to wait off a little bit, but um, I was hearing. How far are you from Green Bay? I'm about two hours. That's the beauty about where I'm at. I'm two hours from Green Bay. I'm two hours from, you know, Minocqua, Eagle River, Rhinelander areas that I'm at. I'm like three hours, two and a half to Hayward. Um, I'm centrally located. I can kind of hop, skip and jump pretty easy so that's such a cool area to live like there just seems like there's just so many opportunities to fish in general not just muskies but all sorts of stuff until winter time i definitely need to and i've done it the past i was so musky focused for many years um and i wasn't catching fish or catch two or three a year and it just gets frustrating and so you start catching bass and you start catching walleye again. And it's fun just catching fish again. And that's kind of re 
rejuvenated you or me it's rejuvenated myself for sure of being like all right you know i go on a four-day weekend to go fishing for muskies i got spinning rods in the boat now i'll take a half a day and bass fish just oh hey that's what a fish feels like to hit so i believe everybody should probably try to do that i mean these hardcore musky guys that are out all week long 14 16 hour days of fishing and oh it was a good day i had three follows well yeah it's cool but do that for a week straight because i've done seasons i've done years without catching a fish so that hard hard reset sometimes yeah, you need that, that. That, that's a bad stat i'd rather just erase that from my memory pink. <laughs> I, mean, I, I caught two the first the first fish i caught i said caught two in one day then i think the next year i caught like two fish two or three fish and this, I mean, like I said, I'm 12 and 13. I, we weren't trying that hard. My dad and I would go up for an afternoon um, here and there. And then I probably went on a 10-year hiatus of not catching a fish. And then another five years of not catching a quote-unquote legal fish. And you, you want to question your well-being after that? <laughs> Start wondering, man, are there even fish in this lake anymore? I mean, I hate that. I really hate to admit that. Yeah, you know, people listening that yeah i go 10 years without catching a muskie that's just <laughs> holy there, crap is there something on my hands what is <laughs> doing something wrong and then all of a sudden it just started it just came it just the fish started coming and it was i mean it was it was good and then yeah of course like owen like you said you got your your wrist or broke your wrist yeah yeah and i i broke my wrist i had to have surgery after yep. one of my best years that i had and i had my wrist pinned and oh. in a cast in and in the fall which is my most favorite time to fish um, yeah so that I'm was sorry. like kind of my worst nightmare but it, you know it turned out not to be that bad so i've been i've been out i haven't been able to cast at all this summer but i still have a lot of i still have a lot of season left including my trip to minnesota i mean my trip to canada in september so you know hopefully this season is not going to be lost but yeah it's real easy to lose to lose a season like that mike what what skateboard uh trick were you trying to pull off there when you broke your wrist <laughs> i uh mine was <laughs> so i i uh did a wrestling move um <laughs> uh, yeah what i'm sure um, your wife was just what impressed is this? with that rock, <laughs> are we was, talking uh, rock bottom stone cold no, stunner was, what are we uh, talking what's about the one, what's the one triple h does our boss the pedigree. The, pedigree. Yeah, the pedigree a buddy did yes. a pedigree to me on my parents basement floor Ooh. um and I, I i did it and it hurt and i <laughs> I was 19 when it happened and I didn't do anything about it. I didn't have any insurance. I was like, Oh, it'll go away. The swelling will go down. <laughs> um, <laughs> turns out it was like 10 years later and I was in the, <laughs> I was, I was fishing and I'm lo on my anniversary of all days and I'm loading the boat and I heard a snap and I'm like, what was that? And uh. it ballooned up and basically the bone had died in the wrist. I mean, I broke oh, it wow. in 10 years prior and i have been living with a broken bone in my wrist um uh, and it just re kind of calcified over and then snapped it when that one day um oh so that kind of put me out of commission and looking back i'm like man 10 years ago i should have fixed it because it would have healed good now my wrist is fused i i that's why i've kind of made the switch to casting with my right hand um and reeling with my you know keeping it in the right hand because i can't do it my left hand is kind of shot yeah so. 
I don't know many people that have been physically pedigreed. <laughs> you know, like like actually pedigreed. <laughs> well, now you do. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was quite. I was quite to play the game. Did you what guys? You did you guys do the old the old backyard wrestling? Um. Yeah. In fact, you know, for my. <laughs> For my 21st birthday, my buddy and I, I did the uh, Stone Cold Stunner to him and slammed beer all over myself. Oh, that's Jeez. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. On the parking lot hotel. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Rowdy. Oh, I think the entrance uh, music for this podcast needs to be... Uh, Triple H's theme music or whatever. <laughs> when we introduce Mike Conklin. <laughs> Zero out of five stars. Pettigrew on concrete. Our, uh, our editing yeah, guys out of town. I don't recommend that. <laughs> uh, the, my favorite uh, intro music was Degeneration X. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Yep. Yeah, I was kind of oh, one of those. You didn't know? I, I, oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That was back in the day. That, that wasn't was even DX. That was Road that Dog. Was, that was Road Dog Jesse James. Double G. <laughs> That's so good. The new Age Outlaws. That's yeah. What yes. Yeah, that was that was when wrestling was good. That, that was yeah. yeah. Wow. I just I, I'm having so many flashbacks right now. <laughs> all I, all oh. I can think of is uh, Captain Insano from The Waterboy. see i went to like all i went to like all the worst parts of it like a couple years later on like the stacy keeblers and like Uh, yeah 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 i basically i think it was when like stone cold got injured and it kind of all went downhill from there Mm -hmm. um but that was i i I back in that was mankind yeah oh yeah monday night raw i didn't i mean it was years it was like i i didn't work I was like, I got to be done with work so I can be home watching it. Watching Monday Night Raw. Into what I was. Got the like, priorities. We, yeah. Well, it's like we, I, when I met my wife and we were talking, you know, when we were dating and, and she was really into ER. So her Thursday nights were tied up. And it was like, all right, well, my Monday and her Thursday, those are the only two nights of the week we never saw each other. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do when they implemented SmackDown on Thursday night? <laughs> I didn't mind it because I was already alone. So that was, was like, already ah. her night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I got a bonus. Wow. Back when you had to get the pay-per-views on uh, on the we weekend, go, you had to order we go it. We had a local bar that played for free. So you'd go uh-huh. there and you'd get a couple pitchers of beer and some wings and just sit and just get plastered on a Sunday night. <laughs> like before he had to go what to was work the, what was the pay-per-view when owen hart died what oh, because um, because i remember because yeah. me and my buddies in college we had it and i remember they cut it out like they didn't show it they but did. i remember like i remember it came back and everyone's like what the hell happened i think it was a survivor series was it a survivor series I, I, I don't know if it was that i don't remember but yeah i, I remember being in the bar and it just cut out because they had a yeah 30 delay or whatever yeah, and everybody's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Yeah, yeah. I remember I didn't that know this was gonna. T- I didn't know this was gonna turn into a late '90s uh, WWE yeah. podcast. Yeah, 
We go I'm all about it though. Let's go. I know. I'm Tom's thinking. I can go another four hours now. You, you said mankind. Subject. You said mankind. I le- I like immediately just pictured like Mr. Socko. Oh yeah, yeah I, was the, uh, I was at the yeah. pay-per-view in Pittsburgh where Undertaker put mankind through, through the, the hell in the cell. Oh, yeah. Through the hell in the cell. Yep. Yep. I was there, buddy. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> I can't believe how many of us watch WWF. <laughs> just can't believe it. Like today, I think everybody, it's, it's, you know, every male in our age group watched. Uh, I think so. I, I watched it when I was a little kid. Frame. I watched it back in the junkyard dog days, and then I didn't yeah. watch it until I went to college. And then I went and went to college and started smoking a lot of pot and you know wwf <laughs> and, like, and smoking pot you know experimenting with drugs <laughs> man those were the days holy <laughs> cow that was fun uh, tripped on memory lane <laughs> wow <laughs> college <laughs> Jeez. All right, so we want to try and reel this back. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, yes, yes, we got to. <laughs> somebody this. take control here. <laughs> Jesus, so take the wheel. Hey, Come on, somebody. Dad. Wanna, uh, what do we? Where do we want to go from here? Just when are you I, gonna? When are you gonna make a pedigree? I, I got a pedigree. Yeah, oh, I bait. Should, I should. But, you know. So I have been now. If I had, if I could get to it i want to show you my box of failures um i keep them as a reminder that that i tried at least i tried something but um <laughs> yeah so you know the funny thing is, is it, it may have it, it was more of just a failure because it was it didn't do what i wanted it to do i, I made a glide bait with a fin on it kind of like the kind of like the warlock um the thing glided like crazy but i didn't like it so i stopped doing it um i'm currently in the works with oh a top water something different i don't think it might be old style coming back um but my lathe broke so still really... still a propeller or is it like a walk yeah, the dog a, or... yeah, it'll be a, it's a prop bait but it's it's a one piece design so, okay um and then i have two dive and rise baits that i just made and i got i well i made a crankbait too for a guy i'm not big into crankbaits i have a hard time getting that perfect um and then i have a um like i said two dive and rides i made same thing one with a tail one with just a like a flat blade like a souk type tail um those are often prototype mode one's going to be shipped out to a guy that i trust immensely with his he's honest super honest he'll tell me if it sucks and i'm like okay cool thanks um <laughs> and i'm working on a variation of the glitch as well so um i hate changing something that works really good because i i have a lot of people asking for a soft tail version um that was on my list of questions yeah I don't know. Um, it's hard enough to hook them as it is. And then you take away that back hook that swings around. In my opinion, I don't have good hooking percentage with a, a tail bait with not a hook back there. Um, especially a bait that works like mine, where it's just 
kind of here, there, here, there. Um, I've been experimenting here and there with one. I haven't quite perfected it. So if I don't, if I don't come out, if I don't like it, I'm not putting it out. I'm not going to be that guy to be like, oh, just to sell baits. Here's one. Right. If somebody uses it and they don't like it, they're not going to buy it anymore. And I have four really good customers that probably have 12 of my baits each because they love them. So I want to keep it that way. I want guys to have them. I want guys to use them and I want guys to order more of them. Um, so that's the niche, I guess, of, of my bait is it's custom. And, and, and so we're going, let's go back to working with Jeff Contreras about this is um, we had a conversation about how baits are getting so expensive. Skyrocketing. I mean, customers, oh, yeah. 70, 80, 100 bar fighters, 350, you know, let's be honest. Can you guys afford those? I can't. No, I mean, I mean, it, I, I mean people do. It, I mean, whether they can or not is a different story. Well, I mean, people are going to buy it. Yeah. yeah. It's not that I can't afford it. I just can't justify spending three fifty on a bait or even a hundred dollars on a bait. Right. Especially, um, especially with my rate of uh, snagging them on logs. There's yeah. no, there's none of us that can sustain that. Right. You yeah. might be able to buy an eighty dollar bait this week, but you can't sustain that all year long. To me, like, the people that are paying that aren't fishermen. Yeah, they're not. No, nope. they're not. So fishing. I'm not sure what they are. Like, are they collectors? Like, are they, or are they just guys that that want to be able to say, "Hey, I have a box full of bar fighters." Yep, yeah. they're the same yeah. guys that'll be on the Facebook giving Ryan Reed shit about fishing in warm water. Yeah. Maybe maybe you should try it sometime <laughs> instead of staring at your bar fighters at home. Exactly. 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 I can't afford to put gas in their truck because they got all their expensive bar fighters. Got their three three hundred dollar Suic hanging on the wall. I'll be like the first to admit I buy a lot of baits, but I can't sustain a hundred dollars a bait. There's no way. You know, like it's just not the baits you buy are are regular, like you know regular baits you know you're not you're not paying well, an exorbitant amount honest, regular baits are going crazy i mean mm-hmm. I, when i well, started fishing i could go get a suet for 12 dollars. Right. i could get a yeah a booker 700 series for 8.99 and you look at it, what's a suet now 30 bucks yeah i, I yeah. haven't bought a new one in a while i don't know right in there yeah um, yeah i look at it nowadays and, and like talking with jeff it's like how can you how can somebody new to the sport, we're trying to get people new, we're trying to increase the sport. How can you expect somebody new to come in and go, oh, I'm just going to drop a thousand bucks. And that's just in a rod and a reel. Now you got to right. outfit yourself <laughs> with, with lures. And especially so, there's a lot of, a lot of baits that, I mean, they don't, you get like a, a fish that's, angry it might put a hole in you know especially on the plastic baits so puncture it and then it's done it's like fifty dollar bait one right one, one time done. use yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at, at the original you know some of the the bulldogs are like the original curly sues or or Susie suckers that the shark attack brand that used to make them those things were so soft it's like one little pike and the tail's missing and you're like yeah i just spent 30 bucks on this Ooh. right right um but so I kind of stemmed it like I I don't want to like give my stuff away, but 
I kind of coming in at that price point where I think a kid can honestly have a part-time job and still buy it. But the caveat to mine is you order for me, get a custom paint job and where can you get a custom paint job for 25 bucks on a lure? Yeah. Right. Can't. That's the angle I'm coming at you with. Right. I mean, let's be honest a glide bait's a glide bait a bucktail's a bucktail uh a dive and rise is a dive and rise it's they all do the same thing they have little characteristics that might make them a little different but they all do the same thing so i I'm, i couldn't agree more i'm i'm coming at the angle of you can afford my bait and you can tell me that you want a flowage you know green something or another and give me some creative rain and I'm going to punch out a custom painted lure for you for 25 bucks. So that's kind so of can, where I'm at. We can get one that says Tom missed out Yeah, on the side. So, and I wish I had a photo. I mean, I could share, I, I did, um, I got the fish with Mike keys for like three hours, four hours. Um, but I made him a bait. I know he can't use it. He's got sponsors. He can't he touch my lure. But right. I made him a lure with his insignia in it, his logo. Um, you know, he's got it hanging on his wall. So I can, it's harder, definitely harder. And I, and I do end up charging. If somebody wants something super custom, I will charge a little more. But, you know, I do repaints as well on some lures. Um, that was going to be something that I brought up. I know I've seen some of the they, I, I, you know, repaints that you posted up, and uh, I mean, you know, your your baits, obviously as well. But I mean, your paint jobs are always awesome, and some of those yeah. repaints I've seen you throw up are are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty sweet looking. My my favorite by far is when people just say, "Here, do it. I don't care. Just just do it. Give me something special." And they, there's no boundary there's no creative boundary i can go wild and crazy and i i find that more fun so lad this past spring um at the central i don't even know what it's called wisconsin central wisconsin or wisconsin the wausau musky expo held in wausau um i there's a local company in town by me it's a liquor store it's called taps and tackle okay and it's liquor store owned by a guy that I graduated high school with. Hey, I follow them on Instagram. That's a yeah. that's a cool uh, a cool looking yeah. place and, and like a, a a good idea, you know, like of combining two different businesses in one open- in one physical footprint. Exactly. And so basically, it's a separate little store. You walk in, and it's I mean, it's small, and it's musky related, you know, based toward musky fishing. And they got, you know, a little bar there. You can sit and drink, have a few beers, BS with the guys and buy some lures. And so I talked with them and I'm like, Hey, you know what? Um, what do you say? We do a little something. I'm a local guy. You're a local company. Let's, let's hook up. So they took a shot, ordered 12 lures from me. That was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. I've never did duplicates before up until that point. Um, and doing duplicates the first time around was difficult. And within a month, all those, those 12 were sold. They sold, in fact, the last two, a guy from France bought my lures. Oh, really? Yeah. Very cool. So um, they got a hold of me and said, hey, no pressure. Can we get another order? So um, that one took a little longer. 
my creative juices kind of weren't there. I had a mishap with my drying wheel. My motor broke down about an hour after I put the last coat of epoxy on. Oh boy. Went upstairs. Oh, uh, to, we should yeah. probably stop you right Yeah, there yeah, we should stop. This Owen is a this is a good question. What okay. type of epoxy do you use? <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> right now I use Envirotex light. Um Okay. It's basically what I had at the time to use. Um, and that's what I use. Uh, I'm used to it. I'm toying with the idea of going to, was that true glide? I think, or whatever. That's it is. that's what I have. That's what I just got this year. And I'm, okay. I'm, I have yet to get started really trying to learn it, but Nick, Nick bought some blanks for me to paint. So okay. I've been, I've been kind of messing around with some paint jobs and I want to, I want to kind of learn how to use that true glide stuff. Okay. Well, you'll have to let me know because I'm I'm thinking of switching. Um, I mean the the chemistry behind it sounds neat. It dries from the inside out instead of the outside. Right. In. But I've never had problems with air bubbles, so I I can't really say in that respect. Um, I've heard good things about the Envirotex too. So I mean I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll let you know once I once I get into it. Hopefully this batch of baits I'll I'll get I'll get to use it. Yeah. So I mean I I put the <laughs> I had every lure for that one order on my drying wheel, which is not very big. I just got a small makeshift little wheel and I put all the epoxy on. I watched it. I tended to it for like the first 45 minutes or so. I'm like, okay, everything's good to set. Go. I'm going to go to bed. We'll wake up in the morning and I'll shut the wheel off and go to work. I woke up in the morning to go shut the wheel off and God, it was already off and it was toast and Oh, my heart sank. I wanted to puke. I felt like I got punched in the gut, suplexed, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, pedigreed. 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 <laughs> yeah. But what did you end up, up? What did you end up doing? How did you end up fixing that? I tried to sand some down. Um, but once I sanded the clumps of away, I kind of ruined it. You know, I couldn't come, yeah. I couldn't make it clear anymore. Um, some of them. <laughs> Some of them I turned into bottle openers. So, yes, sweet. I mean, Recycling. It gave them, them repurposing. Yeah, like, well, kind of like, well, yeah, sorry. You know, you kind of hold it and it's kind of lumpy in your hand, but hey, whatever. You get the you get the point. It's a fishing lure bottle opener. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I just had to start from scratch. All new wood, all new carving, um, all new all sanding. Mm. It it took a while. Like I said, it kind of knocked me down a little bit. I had, I had to just step away for a couple of weeks. So, but they got them now. I got it to them right around the 4th of July. They have the new, they got a whole new batch in stock. So we'll cool. keep them happy. So see, this is what I love. What I love about this conversation is the fact that this is, this is real. Like we're like, this is like the real things that happen right. through these processes and like just real normal people going through it, trying to figure it out and, and do it and, you know, process, get some of these baits out to a bait. Like that's just, this is, to me, this is gold. Like I love that's hearing these, this stuff. Oh, yeah. These guys that have their processes down pat, you know, like, you know, that, that know exactly how to do their epoxy. They're guys like Mike and I, like I, I, I assume you're like me. I am constantly learning. Like every little thing I'm doing is the first time I'm doing it. And so, you know, it's sometimes it works out great. And sometimes, man, there's a lot of work that goes in. I mean, I have a bin full of blades and I have a bin full of just 
you know, things that turned to shit, you know, that just were completely worth worthless now. Yeah. That's, that's what I had. I had, um, so I, we recently moved to town, you know, this was, we've been in here for about a year now. So this was my first winter of building baits at, at my new house. And the first, uh, I don't even know how many I made this year, but for the longest time doing it, I was like mixing my epoxy and I'm putting it on and I'm noticing like dirt. It seemed like dirt, but it wasn't dirt. It was clear. It was like chunks. Like, where is this coming from? I'm wiping my cups out before I start mixing. I, I mix it with a stick that I've wiped down. Like everything's clean. And, and hmm. I tack cloth my lures before I start. I mean, there's not a single bit of dust on it. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And it took me two months of fighting this constantly, like getting it to a point where I go in with a blade and I just pluck these little pieces out after it started to flash over so I could get it right beforehand. So it was a lot of work. And it finally dawned on me, like at my old house, we constantly had a dehumidifier running in the basement. And this house during the winter, we didn't need it. It was dry enough, but I wasn't, still wasn't, I was too humid. The minute I turned that dehumidifier on in my shot, problem solved instantly. And it was just like that light bulb that went on my head, like I should have been smarter than that and realized it sooner, but well, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's not something you'd think yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So the little stuff. And, you know, Evan has been a big help. Evan Shaw's just outstanding. Any questions I have, I, I'm like, Evan, dude, talk to me about this, you know, epoxy and, and this and this. And he just, he's, he's just as plain as day comes out. Yep. This is what I do. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, awesome, dude. I've learned a lot from him. That's a, I, I, I wanted to uh, bring that up at some point during this podcast. So, you know, I, I got set up to fish with Mike through Jeff at the battle. You know, I had only talked to Mike once or twice leading up to it th- via a couple text messages, just kind of introducing our, ourselves and whatever. We pull Jeff and I, I pick up Jeff first on my way from Pennsylvania to Northern Minnesota. You know, I pick up Jeff. Then we're on our way to Mike's house. I'm whatever it is now, 14 hours into my 22 hour trek across the country. And we pull into Mike's driveway and, and there's a Shaw's bait company sticker on the back of his truck. And it's the first thing I see. And I'm like, okay. Conklin lures on one side, Shaw's bait company on the other, I believe. And I'm like, Oh, look at this. Like, I have no idea that there's any connection, you know, between these two whatsoever. Obviously, Evan's a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I, I, the obvious, so the first thing I asked him is, you know, how do you know Evan? And he starts to tell me that they know each other through bait making a little bit. But I wanted to to ask that question a, a little bit more. How how did that relationship start? Where did you actually meet Evan or, or how did how did you guys start talking and how did that so, even come about? Um. 2006 or seven. I mean, I, the muskies first would hold, they held a fall outing, a Presque Isle fall outing in Presque Isle, Wisconsin. And okay. I went up there and I, I met, it was, I think Evan's friend, Rich at the time was up there. Rich Newman. I don't remember his last name. He kind of big, big, 
like he's shorter guy with a big beard. Um, mm. but he was up there, and then I think the next year he came and he brought a bunch of guys, and Evan was one of them. And I don't know, we just you know that was in October, end of October. So you did fishing during the day, and by five o'clock it's dark. So dinner and beer for the next five hours was on the docket, you know. <laughs> so you do a lot of talking in the bar, and the next thing you know, Evan and I are are chit-chatting and um I actually bait making never even came up until one I was one of the years and and um I honestly I think he might I might have given him one of mine toward the end and he gave me a uh, what's one of his meatballs no no not a meatball one of his uh the the it's long it looks like a looks Is like it a, a minor Oh, it was, a, it was probably one of his uh, menu. I can't remember Cisco's what he calls it. Or... With a Cisco kid lit, lip yep. to it type of thing. Yeah. Um, he, he gave me that in a Cisco pattern. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is this is awesome, you know? And then we just kind of kept in touch a little here and a little there. And then when I really started getting into, like, questions about baits and I hooked them up. I'm at the time my job was, I was in, uh, in the sign industry. So I was able to do those stickers for him, you know, and set them up that way. And he sent me a couple meatballs and I'm trying to figure out how I got to get some of those mini meatballs. Cause I think those fish in Wisconsin are going to destroy those things. But, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, they so are on the I, menu. Yeah. That's how I got in to, you know, with him and, you know, again, one of those things like with Donnie, you and me, I mean, we've met a couple times and it's just neat to see you know, when you guys have families, you know, get to see Evan and, it, you know, married and just get a kid. And uh, uh, you guys, it's just like, you know, it's kind of a neat little how musky fishing brings a lot of people together like that. It's kind of neat, just fishing in general, but stuff yeah, like that. I, I was thinking that just the other day uh, about, just the guys that we've had on this podcast when we started this podcast it was really you know we thought it was just going to be more local you know pittsburgh western pa and really it is it is expanded to to us having these relationships with people you know opening up doors you know with midwest guys like you guys and jeff and and alex mclean and you know and then having guys on from canada and and you know it's just been it's been really neat because the musky world is not very big and if you and it's still like that in the sense that there's not a big any big companies that have taken over the 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 industry it is still you can still be a guy like you and me and you know have a hobby and there's a there is a a place to sell our baits you know there there's i guess there's a you know, you don't have to get your baits into Walmart to be, to do something with musky fishing because there is this community of musky fishermen where you can get to know people through back when it was muskies first, or, you know, now, however people meet each other, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's neat to see that. And, and the fact that mom and pop and little guys can still not only make the baits, but be relevant, you know, to, to other guys in the, in, in, in people in the, in the industry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you, as much as some of the bigger names put a black eye on the sport, I don't know if anybody else agrees to that, but there's definitely a black eye with some, I think internally, 
um, within the sport with some of the way people act and, and treat other people. Um, oh, yeah. I, like, I like these little groups of guys where it's not a competition. I'm happy when you catch a 31, happy when you catch a fifth one, you know, I mean, that's, I'm just as happy both ways and, and, and to get to know, you know, individuals and then their families. I may have never met your wife, Donnie, or your daughter, but you know, you, you're generally interested in when things go on and, and right. You know, the friendships like that are what's, what makes fishing fishing on top of that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, it's just, it's a big part of, of, of musky fishing, especially as you progress through it and, and you continue to do it and, and you meet people and you take these trips and, and you just building relationships and, and, you know, all of these things. And, but I, I think back to the episode that we had Zach Baker on, cause I feel like he said it really well. So shout out to anybody. If you didn't listen to the ap- episode when we had Zach and Steve on, you should get listen to that one. But he said something in there that I thought was really, you know, spot on when he's, you know, about how, we all do come from, you know, different, sometimes a lot of political backgrounds, a lot of ethnic backgrounds, a lot of, you know, fine, you know, financially, we might be in different places, whatever, but there's something about the musky fishing. It just kind of brings people together. And we just, you know, if, if you're into it and you're into it for the right reasons, you just kind of gel with other people that have that same mindset and, and, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. I think, you know, it's just, it's a really neat uh, thing about the sport and what I really like about it. Yes. I agree. It's funny. I was funny. I was listening to you guys at the tail end of there and I actually pulled out a bunch of reject baits I made <laughs> just looking at them. It's, it's one of those things. That's what, when you were talking about the epoxy debacle, I was like, I don't know how many times I've come home and, thought everything was running fine and there's a bait glued to the glued to the floor of my garage (laughs) set it up before work put a coat of epoxy and come home my very my very first setup was a drill and a coat hanger that's how i turned one lure at a time and i'll never forget the one time I, i walked upstairs i heard a funk and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that was. And the next morning I go down and there's my lure stuck to the basin. I'm like, oh, no, that's what the funk was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've had my moments. So I think every, I think every, if, if there's a bait maker out there that hasn't made a mistake, I'd love to meet them. Right. So, yeah. Right. Right. And that's, that's part of what that, that's the beauty of it is the, is the, is the learning, the trial and error. That's yep. part of what is, what is really, I don't think it would be fun if you just, if someone just ta- told you how to do it, you know, right. it's, I, I can't tell you how many hours I have spent just by myself in my shop trying to figure something out. And, you know, it, that's what makes you learn. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, those are the things that you'll remember. Here's a question for a bait maker for, for you, Mike, uh, on that point. Do you think, you know, okay, so it seems like to me, you see probably more musky fishing than other forms of fishing, where you see these guys that have been musky fishing a long time, such as yourself, just transitioning into building baits or building lures and, and that challenge that comes along with it. 
Did you think that has something to do with just the, the personality of say the musky fisherman? And it's the same thing when it comes to fishing for muskies where it's, it's always, there's always a new challenge and there's this whole figuring it out and having to, having to, you know, go through the trial and error, having to take your lumps, if, if you will. And there's no real shortcuts to being able to do it other than to just do it. You know, it just seems like it's, it's that, that mindset of, of, of the, the musky fishermen and just transitions right into, they become bait builders sooner or later, if they stick with it long yeah. enough, a lot of them. I would say it's like the next challenge, right? Yeah. I would say unconsciously there's a tie together there. I mean, that's your makeup, a guy you're, I'm stubborn. Um, I think as a musky fisherman, you are stubborn. You have to be stubborn. Um, you have a huge amount of patience. Um, and if you know, you're, you're on the water and the fish aren't going and you're thinking what's going to make them go and you're, and you're applying your knowledge to the current conditions, you know, you could draw a parallel to being in my basement and, okay, I'm going to try to make a bait that does this. And now I got to, what do I have? And what do I got to make it do? And how do I do that? You can probably draw a line in between there, but I don't, to go and think that I'm going to become a good bait maker because I'm a good fisherman. Well, I'm a sucky fisherman. So apparently I suck <laughs> suck <at> bait. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I don't think I went consciously, but I definitely think that, you know, your personality or your way right yeah that's kind of what that's what what i was alluding to like i just think there's something with the the makeup of the musky fishermen it seems like that a lot of them it's that that you know that drive to to do something that's not necessarily easy i guess take take the hard route and have to figure it out on your own rather than just go buy a lure off the shelf that you could probably catch a musky on and I think that's the thing in <laughs> the store and you catch muskies on them and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. I can catch muskies. And so the next thing for me was, Oh, I'm going to build my own. And then the elation I felt when I caught one on first one on my own lure was just like, wow, I, I didn't think I could have a higher feeling Yeah. until I get that picture from the 14 year old kid who won my lure off of Jeff Contreras is one of his giveaways. And the kid pulls a 50 incher in. And nice the smile on his face, I'm just like, you know, that that's what does it. I, I get more pleasure over seeing other people catch fish on my lures now than, you know, than me catching one. I mean, I still love catching them on my own baits. It's who wouldn't, but to see other people getting them, that's, I mean, so I've dabbled, I've dabbled into flat tails back when, you know, this is probably three, four years ago right as the craze started to pick up if you want to call it um i made one and a couple of them and i gave a few away and there was a guy up in the ashland area he's like hey i hear you make them i'm like yeah he's like do you have any i'm like no but i can get you one in my face i got most of everybody to go he's like all right cool so i sent it to him on a wednesday he gets it on a friday he got it, or a Thursday. He got it on Thursday. He went fishing with it last night and popped like a forty some inch one fish on it. And I'm just like, he sent me a picture. I was like, you couldn't have 
plan this thing better. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Just get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. You know, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what drives you. That's, that's the yeah. internal drive there is to be like, yeah, I want to have somebody have that feeling that I still get when I catch a fish. I mean, if you, if you go out and catch fish and you're mind numbing to it, why are you doing it? You know, it's the same way of putting baits out. I mean, if you don't get joy of other people catching fish on your baits, why are you doing it it's for the money? There's no, your right. tens of that you're going to make bait, <laughs> bait right. making. I mean, <laughs> I guess you'd make more if you charge 350 bucks or something, but Hey, <laughs> Pay yeah, for you got to up your prices, Mike. You want to make the big bucks? Come on. And well, that's one thing I I in a fight doing. I mean, the prices of stuff are going up, but you know, I don't want to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get that niche of you know, hey kid, he's 14 years old and he's got a paper route or whatever they do nowadays, and there's no paper printing anymore. But you know, he's got 30 bucks and he wants to get a lure. Here you go. You can get painted however you want it, and hopefully you'll catch a fish. So that's where I'm going for it. What do you guys what What do you guys think has replaced the uh, the paper route? I feel like like online stock trading. I, I, that's <laughs> like, a good I'm question. Pretty sure it's like doing TikTok dances. Yeah, or YouTubers. Oh, yeah. You know really how you how YouTube, kids try to make yeah. money now. Yeah, online poker. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's what we had the contraband poker in the the cafeteria. I don't know. It's gotta been gotta be online now. <laughs> Paper route, yeah. That's, that's uh I mean that's cool stuff though. I mean that's uh yeah. I think it's partly commendable too, because I think a lot of guys are just charging whatever you know, they're some of these guys are thinking about the cost and making money over actually getting them into people's hands to fish. You know, you get them into somebody's hand to fish it. That's that's the difference because you're going to grow them a little bit more organically, in my opinion, at least once you're able to do that. You know, so I think I think that's a positive thing you're doing, Mike. And you know, I'm seeing pictures of your baits and stuff. They look really good. Thank you. The hard part, and and this goes across every genre, every whatever you're doing. You got to find a sweet spot of charging enough to garner interest. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've already have people like, Oh, it's 25 bucks. I must not. Care. Yeah. That must, that must be a piece of junk. It's only 25 bucks. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a weird mentality. Oh, that one costs $85. That thing must be, that thing will definitely catch me fish because yeah. it costs $85. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, and I saw it, it just, in the neighborhood I lived for rummage sales and garage sales, you know, we've got our target and Walmart brand kid clothes that are spotless. Cause my wife attacked them. Like there's a stain. Nope, no stains. And we're selling them for like 50 cents a piece and you go and they're not selling, but you go down the road and there's, you know, name brand stuff with stains all over it. And they're charging six bucks for it. And people are buying them up. It's like, what is wrong with yeah. society that we need to, to, to do that and then on top of that there's bashing you guys probably hear it there's plenty of bashing going on with oh so and so doesn't do it right or oh it's not he's not charging yeah. it i mean oh, he only puts 
only puts 19 coats of epoxy on. Yeah, right? Should oh, be at least 25. Vertex light. Oh, and he only puts five coats of epoxy on. Psh, that's nothing. Yeah. Well, whatever. And he charges 25 bucks. Well, insert yeah. junk comment. Right? Exactly. So, <laughs> Bates at that run pile. Yeah. <laughs> you got to kind of find you, it's a battle. Unfortunately, that's a battle to fight through just to get. I don't want to say get your name out there. If I wanted to try to make a living, sure, try to that'd be hard. But I'm in it for fun and right. helping people out. So it's like I don't want it to turn into another job. Holy crap! Working That's sounds exactly that like Owen over here. And that is sure, so man. crazy. But I could completely see that. Like, I never really thought about it. But like not charging enough and just people just not paying attention to it because they just don't think that it's worth anything because because you actually have reasonable prices that's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> that's so ridiculous to think about but the- you guys have the husky max out there right yeah right. Yeah. So go there and let's watch your average person go through and look at some baits because there's baits out there for 20 bucks 25 bucks 30 bucks and then right next to them there's baits for 60 bucks or 65 bucks Watch how they look over those twenty dollars baits for sixty dollars baits. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's That's crazy. one of those things. Like we already picked on the bar fighter, so I'm gonna pick on it some more. I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen a fish picture that somebody was like, "Oh, I caught this on my bar fighter." You yeah, know, I spent three hundred and fifty dollars yeah, on. Never, it. you never see a net picture with a bar fighter in the net. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like well, what? Why? Like That's like my due diligence when i go to buy a lure is like i want to see you know somebody that i kind of believe that they caught a fish on it you know something you know I, and i haven't been in it long enough to be like um catch a fish on my bait and then take a photo of it in the net with the bait in the mouth and then sit there and be like oh look at what i caught no it's to me it's like i caught a fish i'm just happy right. i got it right you know, yeah you worry about getting it unhooked and the next thing you know you're taking a photo and you're letting it go and you're like Oh man, I caught it on my bait. I should have had a, a net picture with it, but oh, <laughs> somebody told me the other day they they don't buy used musky lures unless there's teeth marks in them. <laughs> and I thought of like really thought about this. <laughs> like, man, you can find a way to just get some teeth marks in them prior to sale. Maybe maybe there's a market there. <laughs> well, i can just go out into a lake with like a shit ton of hammer handle pipe look at all the teeth marks and these bad boys once, once again if tom was here you could have him test run them for you on right. his pike lake well i got plenty of those around here too <laughs> <laughs> just don't ask him to catch any bluegill I just, I freaking love seeing these pictures from Deep Creek with Tom. It's like he's literally sitting there, like in the middle of the in of the middle of the slow, like Crocs, just right, like right there at the ground level, holding these like hammer handle pike, like they're like chain pickerel, like with a serious face, like giving it it the blue steel. He's giving it the blue steel look. Like, oh yeah. He can't, it's all serious business. Oh, and he now. can't turn left. These twenty inch. Bikes. Yeah, he can't turn left. <laughs> he can't turn left. He's just constantly going right everywhere. Uh, Wait, why well, can't he turn this left? Is... What the hell happened there? What did it's, I miss? It's from, Zo- it's from Zoolander. Zoolander. Oh, I can't yeah. turn left. 
That one went right over my head. It's getting late. Uh, it is. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Mike. I'm really glad that we uh, we decided to do this, and I'm glad you you decide you you graced us with your presence. Yeah. Because this has been a lot of fun, and and you seem like a guy that's a lot like a lot like us, where you're not, you know, you're obviously not in this for the business aspect. Otherwise you'd be selling your baits for more than $25. You know, you're, you seem to be doing this for the right reasons. And, uh, and I, I certainly commend that because I, and I try to do similar, similar types of things with, with, with my business. Well, if, if you even want to call it a business, I have a hard time even calling it a business. Mm-hmm. It's a hobby yeah. that, that it's I like to sell some of. What I heard there was Owen was offering, <laughs> He's offering law services for 25 bucks. We're good. <laughs> Business, yeah. let's go. You guys are, you guys are going to jail. <laughs> Which business? You're going to jail. You guys mind if I tie some bucktails while I represent you in court? <laughs> oh, a bunch of jingling going on in court. Yeah. Those double tens. Oh, this God. is my real job. I, I do law on the side. Uh, well, hey, again, this has been this yeah. has been fun. It's nice hey, talking man. to you yeah. after hearing all Donnie's nice stories about you. So, uh, well, I, I appreciate lived it. up lived, to, to talk and yeah, it, it was fun. It was you know, and it's I kind of got caught up you know with you guys on the on the podcast i've been kind of listening at work <laughs> of all places you know just put your butt in and good listen at i love that little backwards 15 second button because if i got to pay attention to work for a change i just back it up a couple minutes you know <laughs> there you go <laughs> so, um, that's gold I, I, it's it's awesome too it's so good <laughs> well, you know yeah well come on i can't pay attention to work all the time so all right but yeah, that's it was awesome to be a part of this. It's really neat. You guys got something really nice going on here. So thank you very it's much good for to coming know on. Appreciate people, that. It's good to know other people like me are out there. It's not just all professional guys that catch t- butt tons of muskies. Yeah. Don't let Tom's very serious pike photos mislead you. <laughs> yeah. None of us He's are not serious. That serious. No. <laughs> no. Well, thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Thanks for Absolutely. coming on tonight, yeah. man. Had fun. Thank you very much. All right, boys. Look hey, Ryan, good fishing with you again soon, buddy. Ryan, good luck fishing that warm water. Yeah, I'm yeah. all over it. We're Make banging sure four days. Keep Throw the club handy. Board too. Yeah. Surf and turf. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. See you guys. Good night. I had to shake them on my last case. Big O don't play. Okay.